It's me, Riley, recording from back in time on the... That's how every podcast works, Riley. You do realize <laughs> this. Like they're recorded you know, in the past and listened to in the present. <laughs> I'm recording from further back in time than usual uh, because this is... <laughs> it's still now, now. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's too much going on here. Yeah, there's a lot going on this here. Like the third layer of Inception and we haven't mm-hmm. even started. Um. We are we are recording sec- second episode of the day, same day as the as the Eleanor Penny uh, bonus episode. Mm-hmm. If you're for listeners who are keeping score, so at basically, home. if like the world has collapsed since then, there's a reason we don't know about it yet. Yes, you've gotta you've gotta get your mother to fuck your father, Riley, or you'll never be born. <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, they're my step parents. <laughs> you gotta fuck your stepmother, or you'll never be born. <laughs> anyway, fun. Um, I don't know how that would make sense. Back to the Future Born would be a very funny genre. <laughs> Bang um, Bros, if you're listening, please make mm, it. The brothers bang. Um, and it's me, Milo, and Nate in studio. Yo. Hello. And we have India Block, writer for uh, Dezine, Ham and High, and other various uh, architectural and design digests and general knower of all things design, architecture, and urbanism. India, how are you doing? Hi, I'm, I'm great, thanks. I mean, time is a flat circle, so... That is true. So for the rest of this of this episode, we're actually going to be reading the label of a Dr. Bronner soap, uh, which talks about his insane theories about um, God, history, and this different stuff that happened to his family. But that is a very good soap. I think that's what. Are you, are you not familiar with Dr. Bronner's? Uh, no, no. Oh man, I'm well. familiar only with Dr. Brazzers, <laughs> my learned friend in the pornography industry. So, Dr. Bronner is a soap a is a soap maker based in the states. That's like incredibly good, but for some reason, it's great soap, folks. Yeah, some of the best soap. For some reason, on every bottle of the soap is written um, a manifesto. Uh, <laughs> Hang on, I'm just going to bring it up quickly. Is it the Jamie, same? It up. Is it the same manifesto each time, or is it just like there's same a screed manifesto. on each bottle? Yep, it's all. <sighs> uh, hang on, is it, oh, well, well, only the important stuff how, first. Is it like fancy soap? Is this like the A soap? Extremely nice. Level? Okay. So um, extremely nice soap, but it wants to proselytize about something. What is it? I actually only it? get my soap in a sort of huge stone monolith with uh, sensible controls and immigration chiseled on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on. Here we go. I found it. All right. Um, here is the text for the main part of the label. Always dilute for shave, shampoo, massage, dental, soap bath. The mildest, plain, pure baby Castile soap made. Um, health is our greatest wealth. All one. Don't drink soap. Keep out of eye. Dilute. Dilute. Okay. Um, so if you dilute it, you can put it in your eye? <laughs> um, the second coming of God's law. Muhammad's Arabs, 1948, found Israel. Dead Sea Scrolls and Einstein's Hillel prove that as certain as no six-year-old can grow up free without the ABC, so certain can no 12-year-old survive free without the moral ABC mason, tent, and sandal maker. Rabbi Hillel taught Carpenter Jesus to unite all mankind free in our eternal Father's great all-one God faith. For we're all one or none. Listen, children, eternal Father, eternally one. Exceptions, none. And it's great soap. This isn't a manifesto. This is sleep talking. 
<laughs> yeah. This so year, years ago, I was on on vacation in Hawaii, and I picked up my, my friend and I ran into a dude who was handing out what he called his his artwork, and it was basically a a, a pamphlet about how he wanted to build a a floating city in the middle of the Pacific Ocean powered by the nuclear effluent from the Fukushima disaster and also how the Holocaust wasn't real. And uh, this pamphlet sounds like what you just read. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like it sounds almost verbatim. But again, this... Well, crazy is always have to be like, and it has a footnote, the Holocaust wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's largely irrelevant to the kind of like weird Kevin Costner's yeah, Waterworld thing say, I want exactly. to build. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to build the Waterworld city, but also, uh, yes. <laughs> but also, here's mm. this other thing. Um, yeah, no, so that's Dr. Bronner's. Very good soap and... Of honestly, a very interesting political tendency. I was going to say, mm. if there's a fancy product that involves politics in some weird way, Riley is on it. I mean, I don't think you could really call it political. It's buy a soup mug. <laughs> you're right, it is sleep talking. Illinois the tankies. If you buy a soup mug, so look, I'm not here to fuck around with soap right now. I'm I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but listen. it's okay if you dilute it first <laughs> yeah, I came exactly. here to wash and talk politics And I'm all out of soap <laughs> <laughs> So look, I've got, a star- I've got a startup for everybody Love it A very fun startup uh, It's called Hearth Ooh. H-A-R-F that, that, sounds, that sounds like a fucking sci-fi planet <laughs> I forgot the letters of T-H and I said F H-A-R-T-H Okay Hearth, Hearth. So like, if somebody... You know, like if a child missing its front teeth was trying to pronounce the 80s rock band heart. That's the startup that, that, that does mm. that. It does that. That's yeah, what you it, think the startup does. Uh, it's a startup that's a child without his front teeth trying to pronounce the rock 80, name of the 80s rock band heart. Dude, anything can get funding these days. As long <laughs> yeah, as it's run by white fair. people, I swear to God. Mm. What, what do you, I mean, yeah, I think you might already know what this is, but what do mm. you think this is? I mean, yeah, I think that's cheating, but uh, let's, you know, work backwards from the name that's missing an E so that we know that it's like a trendy startup. Um, mm-hmm. It's something to do with your home, mm-hmm. uh, where your hearth is. Uh-huh. Uh, and I mean, I don't know who here owns a home and uh, who even owns the furniture to put in this home. Maybe this is a, mm-hmm. you know, a solution to that, that problem that none of us can really commit to ownership. It's just not like my vibe. Yeah, I'm not really into owning things, but I also want to partake in capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a Wi-Fi connected shrine to the household gods? But <laughs> <laughs> like, like the Panates and Lares, but they don't have the second E in them. So it's like the pana- Panats and Lars. <laughs> that sounds like P- Lars Panats would be the owner of this. particular yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> COO Lars Panats. <laughs> <laughs> is it a uh, like one of those experience pop-up restaurant things where it's actually like a kind of viking dining hall where you toast mm. to valhalla <laughs> <laughs> um i it, not yet but i bet it will be soon so of everyone of, of like i don't know who, who was right here spoiler mm. alert it was probably india uh, the first time uh, I'm sure you're also right about the second time, though, uh, because <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to copyright that idea yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that, then maybe you can find, maybe you won't be so into not committing to a house. Mm. Um, Hearth brings true flexibility to blank by making it possible to change any blank in whatever way we like for as long as we like, quickly and easily, with complete peace of mind. Ooh, is this gender reassignment surgery, but with your phone? <laughs> I mean, is this like sex toy rental at this point? I'm going to guess. Oh, the worst thing to rent. <laughs> <laughs> just buy. For God's sake, you swine. Just buy. They're not that expensive. It's rubber. I'm, I'm going to guess that it's like a 
it's like a thing to furnish your flat with, but that like you can redecorate your flat because you're paying rent to own and you're just constantly paying a subscription fee on your own furniture. Minus to own. And that's correct. That's what this company does. I, I did not read the notes. You know me. I would never yeah. read the notes before a show. I just feel like given how much they want to squeeze people, despite the fact that people don't have money to own their own furniture or homes in this country, uh, it wouldn't surprise me they found a way to, to, to monetize the insecurity of having to effectively depend on your landlord to furnish your flat for you. I mean... The problem with this game is that you guys are getting very good at it. Yeah, just just find the most dystopian thing you can imagine, and you're like, mm, it's capitalism in Britain, circa mm, 2019. Ah, oh, yes, but it's the sh- it's not you know being unable to buy furniture. It's the sharing economy, actually. Yeah, I think you'll find. You're all socialists. You don't want to own things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to say having bed bugs is the ultimate sharing economy experience when uh-huh. you get down to it. I always find that weird when people talk about like, oh, well, like as they like socialists don't believe you should own anything and like you should rent a house. And it's like, but someone has to own the house. Like, so like it's like weird to say that like poor people shouldn't own houses is that you can't say no one should own a house. Like it has to be owned by someone. And therefore, why shouldn't you own it if you live in it? No, that would be that would be an animal farm. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you do Damn, that, the Animal Farm of 1984. Yeah, that's a 1984. If you do that one, the 1984 Olympics, which were held at Animal Farm. <laughs> so yes, you can rent furniture, accessories, and artworks from the world's best interior design brands, makers, artists, galleries, and dealers. Lend and borrow pieces to and from other members, allowing you to own less stuff and surround yourself with things that inspire you. Oh, everything I want to fucking do. Please, please, Riley, tell me how much does this stuff cost? Like, can you give me some sample Thinking prices? Thinking fast and slow, um, borrowing to and fro. I th- it's I love still. It being funded so i don't think it's live yet but mm. it's, i think it's going to be all sort of luxury stuff um mostly i think mm-hmm. so I'd love to have loads of money but i still want to rent everything instead of owning it for some weird reason because i like believe in i had like an ayahuasca experience during which i decided that owning things was like impossible n- yeah yeah <laughs> um whether it's purely down to economic necessity smart technology ease of use or a byproduct of ethical thinking about the environment and sustainability or all of the above it seems we're all borrowers now wait is little people who live in the skirting board <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please go ahead was there just a line that was that was just smart technology as a reason yes, yes. okay yeah village people science technology baby well, also, like, that's the other thing, like a lot of these, this is something I've noticed as a pattern where a lot of these companies will start, will start up and they'll be like, we're disrupting. And it's like Uber initially was going to be like, look, you're on a day off, you're bored. Why don't you turn your car into cash by taking people for rides? And then you can just turn off the app and go about your normal life. Really? Uber was taking you for a ride <laughs> all along. Damn. Um, and so you, it's so the whole thing is sort of is pitched at sort of comfortably middle class people who just want a little more variety. Um, and so it's like, yeah, I want to have a fancy table, but I can't settle on which one. So I'd rather consistently rent different fancy tables. But in mm. fact, the way it always plays out every single time any one of these platforms goes big is that it immediately becomes a way to like strip away more ownership from like working class people. So it's like all of a sudden owning a table becomes something that table lords do and no one really owns <laughs> tables anymore. <laughs> the table lords. Uh, I assume that if this stuff is like high-end things, though, I mean, are they giving you new things every time that you... No, it's... Uh, so I own a thing, let's say. It's like a library. Yeah. It's like you... Oh, you in, must be joking. Books, yeah. So, imagine that Riley owns something, So just like, I own a sofa, and thereby I'm going to rent my sofa out to people who don't own furniture as like an Uber for my, my couch. Yes. <laughs> 
you'll rent out your second best sofa to someone. <laughs> but what I, really- I would never want to even see that fucking sofa again, much <laughs> yeah. less repossess it. Mm. God, I mean, like this. This reminds me of when I had it. I had one of my the room I lived in in second year at Cambridge. The year after I lived in it, they decided that the room was too nice and they were going to give it over as a fellow's office. But I know that my college was like really cheap and won't change any of the furniture. And I was like, lol, I had sex on that desk so many times, <laughs> <laughs> and there was going to be some dude like fucking reading about Proust on it, being like, what the fuck are these marks? <laughs> like, um, I mean, I assume that you can pay extra for like a full steam clean or something. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> I mean, but my college would not have done. No, no, but for this, for this, uh, oh, yeah. for this startup. <laughs> you can rent a steam clean. <laughs> so, um, in, in, um, in fact, this is in an interview with Dezine and said essentially, um, it was once the expectation that you'd get married, move into a family house, furnish it, probably with your wedding gifts, and live there forever, reupholstering the sofa several times. But modern life doesn't really work that way like it did for previous generations. Because yeah, everything's terrible. <laughs> Relationships, jobs, travel, growing families, finances. Today, our circumstances change more regularly How than ever. How about renting your wife? But <laughs> <laughs> they accidentally invent prostitution. <laughs> do, do they come with their own like wedding uh, cutlery? Because yeah. this seems to be, you know... Uh, <laughs> Knives and forks, so expensive, right? Why not rent them? The industry's answer is to force a choice. You buy long-term investment pieces, which is why beige, grey, and neutral designs are such bestsellers, or you buy cheap, fun, disposable pieces, knowing you can change it without too much stress or cost. Um, now we're back at butt plugs again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Lord. not sure how well this Mike the Situation Sorrentino butt plug will age, but it was so cheap. <laughs> I can always change it for a Kylie Jenner one later <laughs> if I so desire. Uh, oh Lord! Um, so that's just right. Modern life doesn't really work. Doesn't work in the way that you can just buy a couch. No. no. Who wants to buy a couch? That's but, but I, I, I love. Uh, I love these things where they they ascribe it to just like people's changing tastes, and not the fact that houses are worth like. 30 times what they ought to be worth in this country and people's wages have been not just stagnant but actually shrinking since 2010 and it's just like oh young people they just you know they just want to live free and it's like no, they'd love to buy their own fucking furniture but i mean if you if you make you know something like the median income and you actually want to buy nice furniture that's not ikea or, or cheaper than ikea like you wind up spending such a huge amount of your income like it's just it's absurd to do that like mm. but i don't think anybody's like man you know I, really, I feel so liberated by the fact that i move flats every six months it's amazing i love it like it's 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 forced by the market by the the market not as a natural force but by basically the modern version of a bunch of dudes in top hats coming up with new ways to fuck people over yeah like that is just, it's just—it's shocking to me that this stuff gets written in this breezy language. I mean, it feels like the kind of thing like like the computer should have like a clippy pop up on screen. Like you're saying some disingenuous bullshit right now. Are you sure you want to proceed? <laughs> isn't I mean, it? Isn't it an amazing coincidence how everyone poor loves renting where they live and no one rich does? It's such a weird divide between those two groups of people. You think they would have the same taste, and yet they don't. It's a cultural thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just such glib magazine bullshit. Like they know full well what they're doing, and they're pitching it as some kind of like, oh, the millennials are killing the diamonds industry. <laughs> <laughs> you know the millennials have killed owning tables yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's the thing table lord can now really be a thing that someone can be millennials saving money on cutlery with this one weird trick eating out of the same bowl with their hands <laughs> <laughs> uh, becoming dogs drinking everything like soup mm, we love yeah. to rent stuff we can't get over how much we love it 
Okay, also, favorite. what I love is I really want to know if they got this idea from the fact that if you are super, super wealthy and there are some like properties in London on Billionaires Row that have the facility, if you don't have enough wall for all of your like priceless art collection, you can buy a system where you kind of like store your art inside this kind of like little shuffler thing that will kind of just rotate your art around. So you can kind of like be seasonal with your art. Oh my God, or it's just, a playlist, but for your art. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that. So if you're rich, you can just have all the art and then you can just like rotate it around your walls. Yeah. And then if, if you just love to rent, you can just rent other people's art occasionally. Even the rich have had to scale down. Before you used to have one of those um, like rotating fireplace walls with artworks on either side and then it allowed you through into your secret Nazi dungeon. <laughs> um, and now they just get to have a sort of like art shuffle play. <laughs> R.I.P. the rich. It's so tough for them in 2019. But okay, the transformation of everything into a service, into either a service. So all of a sudden you're, you know, you, 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 you don't cook anything anymore. You just have the service of Deliveroo or the sharing economy where you don't have a car anymore. You just sort of call Ubers or you rent your table or whatever is really just it's it's a way to keep- use an app to get a table whenever you need one <laughs> well i have this table 24 hours a day sitting there doing nothing <laughs> it's a but it's a way of just disconnecting you from everything in your life mm. like you don't really know where you're gonna live be- or where you, what work you're gonna do because you have a zero hours contract which is supposed to be flexible and enable you to you and your boss to work out a system that works for you or you're not you have to worry about having this musty old table because with the new table rental program you can have you can have different tables daily mm. um or with you don't have to worry about about owning your own car because you can just or making your own trip somewhere because now it's all uberized it's nothing you're not connected to anything it's just this you're being provided enough services to just sort of keep ticking over but every, but you're never building up anything on your own it keeps you so dependent and so bewildered and just uh, unable to grasp onto anything around you it really is twirling 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 towards freedom at this point what happens if you forget to pay your subscription or, or you can't, your account gets frozen? Do they just like turn up and take your furniture so overnight? Is <laughs> to come get your furniture? Well, it's the it's it's this thing where it's they all of this also assumes that we constantly want to be making optimi- ep- economic optimizing decisions where yeah. it's like, I never want to just not think about my table. I want to be thinking about my table constantly, mm. wondering if it's the best table that expresses what I feel or tells the right story. Does I my c- table really understand me? So, so, so part of me wonders, like, if th- th- this would be marketed to people who feel some anxiety about wanting to have like well-designed things in their homes or because part of me sees this as like a, a kind of blue apron style marketing thing where they're like, you know, doing like the high end package meals where you cook yourself. I don't know if they have that here, but like yeah, it's a thing in the US. I think they have something like that. Yeah. Here. Where like they send ingredients. With the Pod Save America guys like, haha, we never cook and we hate the post office. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but another way I could see this being turned around to be like full dystopia is what if if you rented a flat and the landlord was like, you were not going to supply furniture, but you, you can just sign up for furniture on this app. And like, that's the way you got furniture. But like, you weren't allowed to bring your own furniture in. Yep. I mean, like, that sounds insane, but I mean, that, that could be a means of for, you know, this well, is, I'm like, just wondering like who's going to be marketed to because part of me is like, I mean, if, uh, having existed, having existed in the world where like, you know, you find a table outside of a, a building, you're like, sweet, it's my new fucking table and you keep it for years. Um, I just, I just can't see anybody who wasn't forced into this using it unless like they had some kind of anxiety about having well-designed furniture or something. I and mean, I think it is, it's the Instagram influencer model because you have all of these, especially kind of young women who have built entire careers out of pretending that they have the sort of life where they own like vast amounts of designer handbags and dresses and it's a 
you know, fairly badly kept industry secret that a lot of them are renting them from these services that exist where you can rent dresses mm-hmm. or handbags uh, and pretending that they're theirs or they've been sent them by PR and it's only now that you're just having to be like hashtag ad. So this is mm-hmm. definitely poised to kind of, you know, I imagine the first thing they'll do is get all the kind of uh, homes bloggers to mm-hmm. use the service. Yeah. And it is that, yeah, that kind of anxiety or that whole the trends change so fast so like you can commit to millennial pink because you can just like <laughs> rent it but then is there going to be a second tier for the people that get the like furniture after the yeah. instagram fad is over so russia because it of course always has the darkest possible version of whatever is going <laughs> oh, on in the west Lord, what's the russian living there they started doing this service which they advertised on instagram which is how i came across it and um, basically it was like i can't remember, like the basically the, the service what they would do is they would go to like girls houses and deliver you for like 10 minutes empty boxes from like Gucci and Chanel and stuff and also like and or a, like a bouquet of a hundred roses so that you could take pictures with it for your Instagram and pretend that you had a rich boyfriend <laughs> so they just stand there watching you while you like yeah. poured over I know, the like empty some, boxes some Uzbek guy who's even poorer than you are is watching you take pictures you've paid for this <laughs> to take pictures with empty Gucci and Chanel boxes and like a bouquet of a hundred roses um, in order to convince your like 200 followers that you have a rich boyfriend. Amazing. <laughs> it is the I mean, most insane country on earth. That is entrepreneurial spirit because that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, that is what the influencers are doing here. I mean, yeah, yeah, this is essentially paying a fee for the removal men to turn up at your house and, and yeah, make yeah. you look super rich and like you can yeah. afford to have furniture to move this is why i love russian startups because they just say the quiet part loud like it's, <laughs> it's so good they are like the donald trump of startups just everything they're like we've worked out what the point of this is let's just not fuck around with uh, making it sound good let's <laughs> just be like yeah you're lonely and the world is terrible and you want to like pretend that you have a nice boyfriend but actually you don't leave the house that's what our business is called <laughs> without any of the vowels (laughs) god russian doesn't love a vowel (laughs) oh boy yeah that's that's the thing you can now rent your place in the spectacle it will be that's it (laughs) like guy debord if guy debord would have known what was coming he would just I don't know what he would have done. He might have just ah, like Gidbert. He might, he might he may have like tried to turn himself into like a radioactive monster. He might have tried to make the spectacle society of the spectacle into a film. But yeah. like honestly, this is this is next level. A Gidbert app that tells you exactly what Gidbert would have said about all the dystopian elements of your life. But, but I mean, I also feel like Instagram influencers, notwithstanding, the reason why this immediately strikes us as dystopian is because we all know that it's impossible for us to ever be able to afford a home. Yeah. Like and that's if if this was just a thing that people did out of like a va- like a vanity project so they didn't have to like buy new furniture get it whatever fine I mean I don't care but because this is coupled with living in a country where it's it's to live in places where jobs exist that pay above you know basically median income or like some industries just you know don't exist outside you have to live in an area where like you know a, ho- a house that was sold in the eighties an old council house that was sold for fifteen thousand twenty thousand pounds is now worth five hundred six hundred seven hundred thousand pounds and you'll never be able to afford it mm-hmm. like and so to me the fact that an entire generation of people is locked in permanent rent this idea of sort of like making all the other life stages that are supposed to take place under capitalism also be rent friendly and app friendly it seems dystopian and even if if like the morons who founded this who probably are rich don't see it that way 
it's going to be used that way, of course. But for us, that's the first thing we think of because it's like, oh, another way to not own something, another way to like have this like ersatz adulthood yeah. that will never be able to like be fulfilled. <laughs> new table, new table arrived. I can adult like a boss for four days. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. only thing we can own is the libs. Okay. Um, so speaking of uh, an impossible, an impossible dream of home ownership, home ownership. Almost like I did that on purpose. That. Stop segueing. <laughs> I don't pay the bear tax. I pay the home tax. <laughs> okay, so moving on to uh, why we'll never own homes, the government policy edition. Um, wow. I'm reading a little bit of an older article here from, from last year, but this is a subject we've not covered yet, and it's one upon which you have written, India, so I figured this was appropriate enough. Um, um, Martin van der Weyer, uh, one of the spectator editors... Um, who's like uh, ensconced enough in spectator world that he does have a pen portrait um, of, of him looking just fucking Yeah, awesome. he looks like, yeah, to, to, to paraphrase that Trump tweet, he looks like the villain from the movie where the hero is a dog. <laughs> um. uh, in defense of the 110 million pound bonus for the boss of Persimmon Home Builders, that's the name of the article. <laughs> It's very cool. Also, why does like every company have a stupid name? Like, why would a construction company be named after like an obscure Asian fruit? Like, why? Again, I don't know. Just call it like cat calling construction or whatever. I don't know. Like something really unthreatening little fruit, isn't it? It is. Yeah, but makes your mouth very dry. (laughs) Much like the construction industry. Very (laughs) stringent, isn't it? Mm, It is. Right. So. Uh, the article goes. I, mean, I haven't even editorialized this article because it's so incredible. It's also quite short. New Year's Eve was. Uh, by the way, I love that the Spectator, as soon as it write, it writes this whole article genre in defense of. If soon as the Spectator has written an article about you saying in defense of, um, you know that something went wrong because other things they've written in defense of include the Wehrmacht, <laughs> Mussolini. <laughs> um. And like I don't know, probably some other Mussolini Construction Limited, <laughs> uh, or then Toby Young wrote in defense of Toby Young by Toby Young, like just <laughs> just really just. And it just means stuff. that you are gonna defend the indefensible. Indeed, that is what it's signposting. <laughs> <laughs> it's well time for time. Toby Young heard a prophecy that his most dangerous enemy would be the man who defends him on the Spectator, and he was like, "Well, I know how to thwart that." Wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it cannot be. It's, yeah, it's that. It's that you. Dr- it's it's like ten a.m. I've had my third tequila shot. It's time to write for the Spectator in defense of, um, and yeah, it's the all of the in defense articles are always the same. It's like the guy who's entering the world's biggest dick contest for the tenth time because he thinks he's finally put in enough practice that he might be able to win it. It never actually works. <laughs> He's got a tiny little medieval torture rack that he's been getting a mouse to use on his dick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. A mouse Christ. that's dressed up as a medieval executioner with, like, the hood on. We've been talking about this all day. <laughs> did, did he rent it from an app? <laughs> <laughs> it's available to rent, I mean, or do that, you have to buy one? Your name's Stuart Little, but they should call you Stuart Bigger. <laughs> you should apply to Y Combinator. That is an idea right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Renting out dick extension racks. <laughs> Someone will You don't want to admit that you own one. You're like, well, I don't technically own it. I rent it. <laughs> I just have... Are you talking about... It's the sharing economy for dick <laughs> extension racks. So please tell me this is wipe clean. <laughs> so here is, is as follows the defense of the 110 million pound bonus for Persimmons boss. New Year's Eve was certainly a day for celebration in the household of 53 year old Jeff Fairburn, chief executive of house builder Persimmon. He was due to receive the first 50 million pound tranche of shares under a bonus scheme that won him entitlements of 110 million. He must have done a terrific job. You'll be thinking if shareholders value him so highly. 
Famously a thing people yeah. think. But in fact, his winnings plus 400 million pounds. Winnings. I like that. Winnings plus He's 400 million. It's like the lottery. Yeah, hmm. exactly. It, it is exactly like the lottery. Damn, it's almost as though capitalism is a lottery. <laughs> oh, you would think so. Yeah. I love um, it when they accidentally make good points about capitalism <laughs> that they're completely unaware of. Wow, it's almost as if people who have massive financial success are completely arbitrarily designated because the system doesn't work. <laughs> no, it's a different thing. Yeah. No, it's not that. Sorry, guys. Don't no, no, it's that. like a lottery, but for hard work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. We'll be- we'll beep that all out. It's fine. <laughs> it's like all of. It's like business school is is actually just like a scratch, like someone selling a scratch card lottery system, like that. Yeah, someone selling a system that if you follow my number picking system, you too can win. Mm. Uh, so he said, but the fact that his his winnings are the freak outcome of a 2012 scheme that was tied to the company's share price and Tony 2012 <laughs> and dividend record, but failed to include a cap on how high rewards might go. So, can you explain help to buy? Okay, so help to buy is a scheme that the government set up where, um, because you can't afford to buy your own home, uh, you can get the government to help you. So they'll kind of pay some of the upfront costs and uh, you'll take on this like super helpful loan that will give you like five uh, five years, I think, interest-free um, mortgages. And uh, it's only for first-time buyers and it's for uh, anything that's kind of under, I think it's five hundred thousand yeah. pounds. I don't new know. New builds only, right? It's new builds only, yeah. um, which are famously don't suck in the UK. Yeah, mm. so it, it's kind of encouraging you to get on the property ladder and then locking you into an absolute nightmare because <laughs> um, you will be stuck in this shitty new build. Uh, you will have taken on way more debt than you should have because as soon as they put this uh, kind of scheme into action, it, it was similar to when they like raised the fees caps on universities, and they were like, "Oh, it's not." like all of the universities are going to suddenly start charging like the upper limit it's like it's, mm. it's not like all of the new builds are suddenly going to be like 400 like 99,000 pounds and obviously they all were so you're you're paying like <laughs> yeah only 499.99 wow that's so much cheaper than 500,000 um and you're just like oh yeah you know like five years interest free like what could possibly go wrong um and then you're all buying at the same time in the same location the same product um and these are not like the houses that you are going to live in and raise your children in and grow old they are like one beds mm-hmm. minimum uh, that bed is rented baby <laughs> <laughs> and that came on an app um <laughs> and so everyone will buy and then at some point try and move up the ladder at the same time which is not going to happen um because you're all going to be trying to sell your new build flat, which will have decreased in value because... Like, considerably. Because mm. a lot of them are terribly built. <laughs> They're really mm. shoddily built. Um, and also, there will be another, like, block of newer builds around the corner mm. that will be, like, the same price uh, and be, like, nice and shoe and uh, nice and shiny and not have that, like, gross rented vibe like someone's, mm. you know, been in there before. Ew. Yeah. Um, Wait, so it's it's like Herbalife, but for housing. So, like, oh, you're, the, you've bought you've bought all of this fucking, like, stock and it's all decreasing in value. And now what you have to do is find some other sucker to, like, help to buy your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone's getting the experience of all the Battersea Park property flippers who are now losing money but you too can get in on it and the government will will help and you know George Osborne managed to kind of 
sell this as a kind of this is like getting the construction industry moving mm. and buying the the homes that we building yeah. the homes we all need. And of course, we couldn't regulate the construction industry so that they didn't build shitty housing. We couldn't possibly no, do that. No, then they wouldn't build housing. If we if we forced them to build good housing, they wouldn't build it. They'd throw in the towel in disgust. They'd be like, if we can't build houses that are almost impossible to live in and will fall down in 20 years, then what is even the fucking point of building gonna, houses? I was going to say, the best thing, the thing is we have to remember is that if you were living in, say, uh, the USSR in the 1980s, then you would be allocated... Um, a really sort of formless, ugly um, block of into a block of flats that was probably really not really built to last, mm. along with everybody else in more or less the same flats, and you wouldn't be able to own any of your own furniture if you were in the USSR in the 1980s. Yeah, so basically, we live in the ridiculously like like comedy clown car version of terrible state capitalism. Yes, yeah. like that's, that's kind of we, what I. This is said. actually what I was saying on the episode the other day that like they were like, oh yeah, history ended in 1991 because Russia became capitalist. But then what they didn't realize was then the West became so capitalist that it became the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like a shitty version of the Soviet yeah. Union where it's like it's as bad as the Soviet Union, but it's also expensive <laughs> somehow. At least the Soviet Union was cheap. Yeah. Damn. And you can smoke on the train. (laughs) So basically what you're saying is, to our great shock, that a policy that George Osborne cooked up while in coalition um, to solve one social problem, uh, which is a lack of housing, but in a very market-friendly way, basically ended up screwing over everybody in different ways at different times, except for like one guy who made 110 million pounds. Yeah, it's like they've kind of managed to make this great workaround where it's like, They've been saying for years that the market will provide in terms of housing, and it's clearly fucking not. So instead, they're like, oh, no, no, we can we can force the market to provide, and it will definitely work out great for everyone. I love it. No, we can encourage the market to provide. Don't the, we? the market works in mysterious ways, but it has your best interests at heart. Here's the weird thing. That kind of comes up later in this article. <laughs> of course it fucking does. <laughs> Honestly, I realize every time I say I turn to you, Milo, and say, here's the weird thing. It always means that something incredibly stupid is about to happen, but we'll get there. So the resulting scale of bonuses is so embarrassing that both Chairman Nicholas Wrigley and Senior Non-Executive Director Jonathan Davey have resigned. Both are ex-bankers marinated in city megabucks, but with a PR disaster looming, they could not persuade Fairburn either to refuse part of the bailout or surrender it to charity. He then he did promise to to set up a charitable foundation, but as far as I'm aware, all recent reporting has said that all he's the only major thing he's done publicly so far is purchase a local pub. Amazing, called the Shambles, a, a, a charity. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not joking. That's what it's called. Holy fucking shit! Yeah, um, the writers I mean, are a bit on the nose, huh? They are. The riders of reality are really they're like getting lazy, in my opinion. Um, so it's like this is like the latest season of House of Cards, where it's just like no one cares anymore. Yeah. Honestly, like <laughs> he just bought a pub called the Poorly Devised House Building Program. Yeah. So the bonus was tied. If I'm understanding it correctly, the bonus was tied based on the share valuation or or a share price target that was set in 2012. Yeah. And because of their sort of like weird 
totally not nepotistic relationship with the government and because of, of uh, help to buy, they've made their price target, but it's, it's, it's effectively made the housing crisis worse. I mean, they helped too many people to buy. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was a freak accident that caused this bonus. It was oh, too, no. Were, no one could ever have predicted. <laughs> too many people were helped. Came among us. Look, man, those, those tulips had a lot of intrinsic fucking value. It's just too many people got greedy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Tulip coin. Um, and yeah, it's, the, it's basically, it's like, well, in fact, one of the defenses are um, that <laughs> that our our friend and the our, our spectator friend writes is that. Firstly, these bonuses are not a skimming off of taxpayer-funded interest subsidies. They're actually being paid for by other shareholders whose holdings have been diluted. And it's like, okay, number one, fuck off. <laughs> number two, no, it's, yeah, the we pumped a lot of money into Persimmon and now he has this much. Stop trying to, like, confuse, stop trying to confuse the issue with technicalities. It's clear what happened. Don't worry, this isn't taxpayers' money. It's profiteering off of a waste of taxpayers' money. <laughs> That's a technical, unimportant difference. Yeah. And also exploiting young people who've been tricked into buying houses that are, like, way too expensive. <laughs> so, in fact, that's the first mitigation where he says, so this, so this story has basically been a gift to the left whose cheerleaders have been dancing all over it. That being the case, let That's me- such a confusing metaphor. <laughs> Those cheerleaders <laughs> dancing <laughs> all over it. Cheerleaders dancing on a gift. Whenever somebody gives me a gift, I make <laughs> a point like to dance on it symbolically. in the mouth. <laughs> So, who are the last cheerleaders? Do we um, get outfits? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Owen Jones, Ash Sarkar. <laughs> every, every, every time Me they dress as a school up a housing project, <laughs> I was going to say John McDonald is just dancing all yeah. over it. <laughs> John McDonald well, in like a in like a ruffle Matt, skirt and a tied up Matt man Zarp, shirt. Matt Zarp cousin. Well, I, I look at it too. <laughs> just, just a bunch of cheerleaders <laughs> dancing on a gift. Because the whole the whole logic of this is that it's somehow going to deliver better outcomes if the private market does it, but instead, otherwise it's Stalinism. Exactly, and yeah. it's like it's like no, we can't have it be state owned because then it'll lack dynamism, it'll lack whatever the fuck they want to ascribe to, like you know the the quality that you somehow can't be achieved with a state owned item. And also, mm-hmm. what they seem to omit is that also any profit would also go back into a state ownership as opposed to just going off to this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you could make that argument if anything it delivered actually delivered but it says like no the housing fucking sucks and we're pumping up 50 billion pounds <laughs> or 50 million pounds pounds to this guy yeah. it's just sort of like <clears throat> at what point does it stop like just because you've dressed it up in MBA language like at what point does it stop being a government plan and just start being like open racketeering I think I got it I think I understood what the social purpose is this is part of a campaign to save Britain's pubs <laughs> by enriching someone like mm. Fairburn so much that he goes on. That's maybe that's what he's doing. That he just buys pubs. So that's the, the whole and runs point. them unprofitably. The government has decided mm. they need to delever the financial sector's role in the economy, and the way you do that is slowly but surely buying out bankers by giving them huge bonuses to become publicans. Yes, <laughs> so they just like take up their hobbies full time, and they'll just you know. <laughs> the whole process, the whole program is basically a national program to personally enrich Jeff Fairburn. It's like retraining. It's like those um those hiring boards where they're just like, do you want to escape your like sad stress? city job like maybe you could go and like run a school in peru it's mm. just you know a retraining scheme yeah, for all these people pints in this pub <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you have to like rent the glasses so yeah second you better drink up bitch because because <laughs> time is ticking oh, wait, there's yeah. a cue for that glass yeah you'll get a penalty if you're not finished with your pint in the next five Yeah, minutes. you could say not everyone in the pub is drinking at all times so we could just have a system where different pints are passed around to people and then mm. you can experience a range of pints and herpes. 
It's yeah, good. it's like yeah. herd immunity. You don't yeah. even need to vaccinate your children anymore. We're going to destigmatize herpes by giving everyone it. <laughs> the app herps. <laughs> Second, to build a number of new homes that might ease the current house building crisis, we need a profitable, fast expanding private house building sector led by talented and suitably incentivized executives. And Fairburn's bonanza aside. Sure, they're talented, but are they suitably incentivized? <laughs> the question's and, on all of our lips. And Fairburn's bonanza aside, a scheme that rewards 150 managers is really quite democratic. Anyone want to touch that? Um, I mean, I, Fairburn's Bonanza sounds like a bad film from the early nineties. I was going to say, I was thinking of like like a like a, a sixties TV sitcom that boomers would be nostalgic for. Yo, just yo, you're thinking of just the the show Bonanza. Bonanza. Yeah, but, I mean, but hey, maybe, maybe <laughs> and it's the a, surviving. Can we splice in the Simpsons uh, clip where they say, "And the surviving members of the cast of Bonanza"? Fine. Uh, no, we can't. But we'll leave in you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, yeah, we need a profitable, fast-expanding private house-building sector. Why does it have to be private? Well, because the councils can't build their own places anymore because we put the debt cap on. Because they yeah, can't be trusted. It's so good. So uh, now- they have to be selling off. The council has to sell off all of their land to the developers, who can then turn it into help to buy properties. Yeah. The end result- you can't mess with that perfect system. It's flawless. The fiscal end result of all of this is again the personal enrichment of one guy. Isn't it true also that they uh, some councils are forbidden from reacquiring uh, former council homes that were sold off under right to buy? Like that's like a contentious thing that some councils have been buying, they're trying to buy them back. But some places they've literally pa- passed laws that like not only can they not build new council ho- homes that the council owns, but like they can't even buy back the old ones that they sold off in the eighties. So good and normal. Yeah, I mean, the whole point is the government has been like not even secretly, just like full on balls out, like encouraging councils to make up for the fact that they have to cut all their stuff by yeah, selling yeah. off their assets and you can't buy it back. Like you're Which meant is to be- really sensible, selling off the assets. That's definitely a good long-term a decision. Long-term play, because then, uh-huh. no, because, oh, because I, I got it. The problem, the problem with socialism is you, you run out of people's money versus capitalism where you run because out of people's assets. And we'll yeah. just close the libraries and then everyone can go to this app to rent their books. Yeah, the council- can can actually, Go to the idea store in fucking Whitechapel <laughs> High Road, which is what they renamed the library because the li- calling it the library was like too gay and no one would go. <laughs> it's a gay to like books. <laughs> no, it's gay to like girls. Deep down you're reading the thoughts of another dude yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a dude so, telling me about his feelings So wait Councils are millennials Because they don't want to own anything <laughs> Yeah they just want to rent <laughs> Gotta oh, hate Councils just want to rent stuff Anyway yeah, Councils are millennials So they're trying to be more flexible By just to just divesting themselves of everything and we're going to save the pubs i guess by personally enriching jeff fairburn and that's a better britain how do they how do they work out how talented he he is like is there some sort of like x factor for for house builders <laughs> like how, how do we know that he is talented i mean we know he's incentivized his version of ain't no sunshine when she's gone was loved it i feel yeah, I, I, i'm just laughing about the idea that like him getting a 50 million pound bonus is like 110 110 million pound bonus is is, is like is he suitably incentivized like is he, he, would he if it was 50 million pounds would that be only be like 90 95% incentivized. Jeff Fairburn does knock it out of bed for less than 90 million pounds. I was going to say, because, he, because Jeff, Fairburn, Jeff Fairburn is a gamer and he wants to get to 100% on incentive. And so it's right. like, he's got to be able to play it all the way to 100%, which means yeah. over 100 yeah. million pounds in bonus. He got Absolutely. it. He got it. He got a million pounds for every percent of effort he put into defrauding the entire country. <laughs> um, I also love how just like all of the people in like the, like the Instagram Tory part of the world are all like, they... They kind of they start having a thought and then they just get narcolepsy halfway through. 
truce, they'll be like, oh, yeah, councils should be run more like a business, uh, which means that councils should obviously be prevented from making sensible medium to long term investments. You'd never catch a business doing that. No, no. <laughs> councils, much like businesses, should never own any assets and they should deplete all of the assets they have for way less than they're worth because that's what businesses do. Yes, businesses. <laughs> Famously, sell off all of their long-term profitable assets, which bring them yearly returns for like next to nothing, because it's better not to own stuff. That's definitely a key tenet of business. Oh, oh yeah, because when you when you buy these help to buy properties, you're not often buying the bit of land that it sits on. Oh, so, oh, so it's a leasehold no. as well. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Oh my god. <laughs> so, so, in India, I've got to ask this. Owning is renting. So- <laughs> That's the real galaxy brain of it all. A, sol- a solid chunk of our audience is American, probably about forty-five percent. And the whole concept of like leaseholding doesn't exist in the U.S. Would you mind giving a little bit of okay, a summary of so that? So basically, um, <laughs> this dates back to like fucking Henry the Eighth times. Uh, most of the land, as in the UK, was kind of originally owned by landowners. Um, now you can kind of. Uh, you can either buy the plot of land outright and build your property on it, or, or you can buy a house and it will come with uh, the freehold, which means that like you also own the land that it's built on. Or you will buy it leasehold, which means that someone somewhere, like maybe the crown, uh, owns it and they will lease it out to you for like up to up to 100 years. There's some Sometimes places it's 999 years. No, some of them are like 1,000 years. Yeah, some of them are longer. Oh, but you still yeah, have to pay rent on there's those. There's some that are... Yeah, but the, re- the ground rent's often like not very much. Oh, not on new builds. Great. <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> so effectively, you don't actually own your home in these situations. No, and it's a You own a the real building, so but you don't you, own the land. I mean, this is yeah. like a massive boomer problem, but if you like are trying to sell your house and it's only got like 10, 20 years left on the lease, you're kind of fucked because... Uh, the person who buys it, even if they buy it really cheap, is at some point going to need to like renew that. Yeah, um, like you're legally, of you're legally yeah, entitled yeah. to renew the lease. Like they can't stop you renewing it, but it can be very expensive. Uh-huh. So, so basically, your landlord might go up on you on rent on the land your house that you own is built on. So basically, what the thing to think about in the well, UK is most people have two landlords. You have the landlord who probably owns the leasehold of your flat, and then you'll have his landlord, who's probably the Duke of Grosvenor. Basically. The ultimate landlord. Yeah, that's usually yeah. what. So I, there's the, I, 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 I rent a I rent a flat from someone who bought a flat under right to buy, and so they're the leaseholder. And that's really confusing to me because I have a lease on the apartment, but I'm yep. leasing it from the leaseholder who owns it, who bought it from Southwark Council. And yep. that does like that concept in, in America, it would be like a condo, and you would own that condo. <laughs> they're like, they're like, no, Mister Bethay, you don't even rent this flat. <laughs> <laughs> you rent from the guy who rents this flat. Yeah, you're so many levels down. Um, um, so this feels like as yeah. good a time as any to go into um, our spectator friend's third point. Third, capitalism never distributes its benefits in a transparently fair basis, in scare quotes, but it is still the best engine of economic progress we've got, so we should overlook the occasional misallocations like this one and certainly not encourage governments to interfere with them. I mean, yeah, tough titties. Life isn't fair. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Although I love that he's written this whole piece, like he's obviously hoping that this guy is going to be like, oh, well, he like wrote a defense of me in The Spectator, so maybe I'll just like chuck him a few million. From <laughs> oh, I love the amazing political manifesto they have of The Spectator of like, yeah, everything sucks, but we can't make it better. <laughs> that would be, be fucking Stalinism. ridiculous. And also how like they're all like, oh, yeah, well, um, obviously, like we couldn't possibly have a, a, an even slightly more left wing system than we have now because that would be Stalinism. It's like, bitch, we had a system that was like far more left wing than this in 
like the 1950s, that famously woke period of time when where Stalinism. we used to hang like mentally disabled people because they were near a cop that got shot. And, like, when, <laughs> and when Stalin was actually in power. Yeah. Literally, was- even when we were terrified of the Soviet Union, we were like so much more socialist than we are now. <laughs> I also love it's like, you know, we can't let the government be even more involved, even though it's government involvement that fucking caused this. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. like that's mm. the right kind of government no, again, involvement. O- only Whereas- good kind of government involvement is selling or giving to o- people Be- who already own stuff. Being fin-dommed by guys who want to buy pubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the guys just like the government's subscribing to their private snap. They're ordering them stuff off their Amazon wish list because that's what doing business is. They're selling off the the library so that they can rename it the Idea Store, and they're buying the guy like some lingerie that he wants off of his Amazon wish list. And we haven't even got to the point where we're at the like five year mark where it's going to be the bank's turn to like mm. rake in all of the interest when that finally comes through. Like, when is the interest coming? Uh, coming so due? I think. So it's five years. When did the scheme start? Uh, I think the scheme started in. They um, keep saying they're going to finish it because it sucked. And then wait, 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 wait. Hang on. So this is this is exactly what caused the financial crisis. Also, because like literally, <laughs> it was all of the it was all of the subprime loans that were like that were like really low interest. And then after like five or ten years, the interest was going to like spike because the cap was removed. Mm-hmm. And then that's when all the loans defaulted. And suddenly, all of the banks were like, "Oh, we thought this was going to be fine, but actually now everyone has gone bankrupt, and our whole balance sheet is fucked. So we're going to have to sell all of these broken assets to our own customers." Yeah, so it launched on the 1st of April 2013. So I think, yeah, it's the first year of people having to pay back with with interest. Wicked. Love All right. It. Excited for this. Oh, so capitalism. It's the best system we have. We literally, like, we've never, I mean, I assume all the council flats that were like sort of sold off or all the council lands that were given away for right to buy, for between right to buy and help to buy. Those just occurred naturally. We don't know how they got there. Yeah. We certainly didn't build them, but we can't do anything other than this. It's like that natural, um, uh, you know, nuclear reactor in Africa. No one really understands exactly how it happens, but it just kind of does. Yeah, and all just- Matt Hancock can do is go, geez, it's a great way to learn about your body. Although <laughs> 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 uh. my favorite bit about Right to Buy is that I live in a council flat that has been bought at some point. Uh, on right to buy and the council came around to like renew my landlord's license to rent it and they measured my bedroom and they were like uh yeah this is uh legally uninhabitable this room is too small <laughs> that she looked the council went down the aisle i was like but you built this and she was like oh mm. yeah but like now it's being rented out privately it's too small to live in uh, <laughs> I, uh, mm, I love it we, we we live my wife and i live in a place that's uh, also former council society was built in 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 the 70s and uh i i for I managed to look up the historical sales price and it was sold for 11,000 pounds in 1981. Uh, our landlord was trying to sell before we started renting and he he was trying to sell for 325,000 um, pounds. I also saw some old sales photos from like 10, 15 years ago and it's a single bedroom with like a lounge. They at one point had subdivided the lounge to make it into three shipping container bedrooms basically. And I was like, you had three adults living in this place. Like, it was insane. But it's I've like, been in Nate's flat many times. That lounge is fucking small. <laughs> it's smaller than this room. So the idea of, of yeah. it being two bedrooms and basically, it was like they had they had somehow managed to legal. I don't know if it was legal or not, but they subdivided it into like a hellish rooming house. And now somebody had the, the bright idea to knock that wall down. But it's like that was that was the logical result. Like no family yeah. was living there. That place was bought and refurbished so it could be a, like a buy to let land. No one is doing thing. more to make Romanian immigrants go back to Romania than British landlords. Like, yeah. genuinely. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so 
Uh, I'd also I'd now like to move on to the second kind of building that it's possible to build because we know we can't build public buildings. We can't build like tri- we can't really build anything new. We can't Obviously build social not. housing. No, I can definitely. Here's not. the second kind of thing that's that's allowed to be built. I mean, this is the story of what happens when you do own the land that your building is on, and you can do anything you want with it. And the sky is indeed the limit. <laughs> Very nice foreshadowing. Damn, better segues than we're ever capable of. <laughs> the tulip is going up between the gherkin and the cheese grater and the rest of the uh, kitchen implement named monuments to sort of financial um, largesse. Love Not it. largesse. Financial, um, you might say, impunity. Not to forget my personal favorite building in London, the walkie talkie, which used to melt people's expensive cars. <laughs> Practice. <laughs> Focusing the sun on them. <laughs> so, yeah, like that. Archimedes and the Syrian fleet or whatever the fuck. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to our American listeners, that's actually true. This did happen. Because there was this, a building with a weird concave surface, and it literally <laughs> reflected the sun into like yes. a natural curling laser that was melting people's it melted cars. Melted people's so, jaguars, someone, and it was a new jaguar. He'd bought it like the day before. This is sort of for the benefit of the American listeners. The city of Lo- the square mile city of London, like the sort of the financial district, our version of downtown Manhattan, basically, is a medieval city, and it's full of these weird buildings. Okay, so this is the Eastern Cluster. Um, which is a great name. Uh, basically, there's there's still rules about where you can build the really tall towers because you mm. can't block the view of St. Paul's. That's like the rule. Mm. So there's this really, really weird shape where you're allowed to build really fucking tall buildings. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's produced some of the most like strange looking things. Yeah. And the Gherkin was one of the first ones. So when it was built, it was like 180 meters tall and it was one of the tallest ones there. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh my God, wow, look at this. Wait, it's has like- it gone taller? <laughs> <laughs> I just like the imagine that. The Gherkin is like sneakily, well, yeah, this is like yeah, our QAnon. This is, this is the whole point of the tulip. Okay. Is to make the Gherkin taller. So now the walkie talkie is up there, the cheese grater is up there. They're building the second cheese grater, um, which is like a kind of slightly differently shaped cheese grater and in the press it's like a parmesan one yeah like one of those little fancy microplanes Um, but when you get the press releases for these things now there is like a whole page of like we've done loads and loads of testing with like the wind and the sunlight different kinds (laughs) of cheese (laughs) (laughs) just to kind of like make sure that it's not going to melt any more people's cars Mm -hmm. um also they test for that also good yeah that's good Yeah. yeah Yeah, they awesome. test. They yeah, test for good. that now. Uh, I wonder because what the one ne- car burned. I love that. I love. I wonder what the next because they always test for the previous thing that happened. <laughs> I wonder what the next thing's gonna be <laughs> that they'll have to start testing for. Yeah, don't worry. We've tested. We've tested to see if this will make the Thames flood its banks again. Yeah, I love the idea yeah. because there's one thing we talk about hostile architecture, like putting up like homeless barriers and things like that. Like in New York, you see that, and I think you've seen it here too, where they have like little little caltrops on buildings, like the, so you can't lie down on the side of buildings. But I love the idea of of hostile architecture as like no it shoots death rays at people like it just <laughs> we've tested <laughs> no we tested that Nate we made sure the building yeah. won't shoot death rays like the last one did yeah yeah <laughs> who could have foreseen this problem with poison gas <laughs> <laughs> I mean Tulip does literally look like the plot for a movie where the villain is like building a new attraction for the city that will actually like open and like release a death ray. Uh, Americans, uh, American, this lovely uh, Argentinian architect whose uh, whose ancestors were uh, colonels in the Swiss army. So uh, <laughs> he seems like a nice guy, anyway. But uh, but one of the things I want to know is like, why are they built? Because American city skyscrapers are. They're just very large boxes, usually. It's just, here's a box. It's really big. It's really tall. It's square. Go about your day. But mm. in the, the skyscrapers in, in London, 
in the city of London in particular, the Canary Wharf, they're all just bo- big boxes. They're, it's skyscrapers mm. as Americans would understand them. But the city of London, all the skyscrapers... <laughs> a concept even Americans could comprehend. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I look over Canary Wharf in the distance and I'd be like, now that's a city. I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> it's all weird. It's like a video game. So that's what I call a fucking broad. <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird looking. Because you can't block the view of St. Paul's, so it's kind of like a game of Twister, but for skyscrapers. And then you yeah. can't like block each other's sunlight either. Uh, so okay. all of these buildings are just trying to like shimmy <laughs> into Wait, so the like the right position. It's just me when I'm trying to like plug my phone in behind the TV <laughs> while my dad's watching the football, and it's like don't stand in front of the TV, and you're just doing that weird lean thing where you're trying to yeah. Yeah, it's like when you're trying to like edge in front of people in like the cinema, or like getting out of the aisle. Edging like, in front of people <laughs> in the cinema. <laughs> You know, you're trying to like get out into the aisle and so you're like, do mm. I go like butt first or groin first? That is what the walkie-talkie yeah. is doing. Yeah. Uh, um, so what this means is it also has unleashed a flowering of creativity among celebrity architects. Uh. So the Tulip uh, is designed by Norman Foster, the same guy that did The Guardian, and funded by this billionaire, uh, a Mr. Safra, who's the same guy that, f- uh, The Guardian, The Gherkin, the same guy that funded The Gherkin. No, no, no. He did. So, I mean, this is kind of not to like stand for Norman Foster, but he does have a great Instagram account. He built the Gherkin for someone else. And it was meant to be this kind of like super futuristic, exciting experiment on building interestingly vegetable slash butt plug shaped skyscrapers. Um, And it won the Reba Sterling Prize. So this was like a recognized like. You know, the architecture establishment was like, we like this building. Because it was like, it was in many ways sustainable, wasn't it, right? when it first came out? Because I remember I, it was for what Swiss Re, and I remember seeing an article, mm-hmm. I was like in high school, but seeing an article about it when it came out. And there was like, it collects rainwater, has like passive heating, it has like all these weird things that like buildings weren't doing at that point. But now, like, they seem to be, it seems to be more common and in, in some it, of the Every full moon, it opens a portal to hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the shard. That's the shard. We've established that. <laughs> they, they did originally want, I think, the like top deck to be some kind of like cool revolving restaurant but they didn't have the technology for that at the time so it was built i mean not with the best intentions and obviously with a lot of money thrown at it um but it was bought by joseph safra in like 2014 Mm. and he was basically like okay cool i built i bought this and it's it's not the tallest building anymore and what does it even do it's not even that exciting it doesn't revolve it doesn't like open a portal to hell on a bi-weekly basis um so basically went back to foster and partners and was like can you make it sexier because that's what when they bought it they promised they were going to like make it more desirable and more attractive um, so it's, it's like a, it's paying a, for your mistress to get a boob job. So this hang is, on, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. they were just like, well, or to get like a penis extension. Yeah, it's a literal is, dick measuring contest. It is the most phallic building. <laughs> oh my god! So, yeah, so so they're just going to build up. Um, so I mean, this is podcast, but like Google the pitch of the tulip because um, they're just going to build a big concrete shaft all the way to the top <sighs> of the Eastern Cluster, and then they're just going to put this bulbous eight-story viewing platform up there so it will be the tallest building in the city and then they're gonna stick on three sides of this of this tulip this beautiful flower uh little rotating gondolas so it's it's like it's like three london eyes but like in miniature and kind of 300 meters above london and everyone's looking at you (laughs) (laughs) and so you can just like rotate and like look at the bankers and all of the other skyscrapers um owning earning their bonuses uh uh, and it's also gonna have some slides in there there's gonna be a Mm. restaurant and 
um, there's going to be classrooms. And if you look down here, you can see the Kraken, which is being summoned by one of the other buildings. <laughs> this <recently laughs> been built. It's just definitely part of a, of a cult, right? Like, and it, like as soon as they complete the tulip, then like the sequence will be <laughs> normally, normally when they tell people their children are going to go to school in the sky, they mean they're going to kill them in a cult ceremony with yeah. Kool-Aid. But instead, they've actually built a school in the sky. In yes. the sky. It's well, like we'll the Da Vinci Code, but for architects. Like. <laughs> so... Um, so the GLA has submitted a strongly worded objection to the 305 meter tower, um, raising significant concerns over its impact on the city skyline and its provision of free to enter public viewing areas. And the fact that it's obviously just fucking stupid. Yeah. It's it's is that not enough of a reason to like not grant permission to this? Like what like you've played too much Final Fantasy, clearly. Like just please stop building this utter shite. <laughs> but it it it's not yet been approved. Um in fact, we'll find out if it was approved probably before this episode comes out. So, hey, future Nate. So what ha- the tulip process has it bloomed? On Tuesday, April 2nd, the City of London Corporation voted 18 to 7 in order to approve the planning permission for the tulip. So, yes, of course it's getting built. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> Back to us here in the past. Um, so, the it continues to go forward. Like, it keeps, it doesn't sort of get approved, but it keeps continuing to be in contention for being approved yeah i mean it's got like a lot of stages to go to and the gla which is kind of like the mayor's office uh is oh god there it is so look, at this shit. look at this shit this is i hearing you guys described it made it sound insane but this is so i mean so, it looks like a giant oh, it literally does look like a sex toy inseminator. Of and I re- yeah. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the like norman foster uh sex toy set where you can buy like a gherkin butt plug and what the fuck is that look at this this Whoa. little this, this literally <laughs> looks like something out of like aliens colonized the city and made it weird like that, that no, that's like a different thing. Dick. That's what? a different yeah. thing. That, that looks like a huge dick. Yeah. I, uh, Look, that's a that's a that's that's a different. Oh, thing. Oh, here we go. This is the headline from the Sun. You think plans for the Tulip Tower are bad? London always had a giant dildo on its skyline. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it continues to keep getting waved through further and further stages on the basis that the damage it does to London by looking like shit and being useless will be offset by I mean, a boost to tourism and a, quote, classroom in the sky education center that will be made available to 40,000 state yeah, school people every year. The market of ridicule tourism. <laughs> where people come to your city to laugh at how fucking stupid it is. <laughs> like, ha, Hans, can you imagine? These people used to run the whole fucking world. <laughs> Look at this. It looks like a giant alien sex toy. Also, they educate children inside this, and yet they won't teach them about gay people. There are three Ferris wheels. Also, also, it's only—it's apparently it's three feet smaller, three feet shorter than the shard. If you're going to build this monstrosity, why would you not just build it three feet higher to be taller than the shard? Or is there some law? Put like a put like a fucking uh, like Christmas tree star on the top. I mean, I I don't know if you, but to be fair, when they b- rebuilt the World Trade Center in New York, they actually made the antenna extra long at the top, so it was ex- exactly seventeen hundred seventy six feet high, because oh. it had to be the most patriotic tower in America. And oh. they originally wanted to call it the Freedom Tower. Thankfully, they changed their minds on that. But uh, freedom, exactly. Sorry, uh, I can't hear you over my freedom. <laughs> so, needless to say, I mean, like weirder things have been done when it comes to building dumb, enormous phallic mm-hmm. skyscrapers. So here's also, 1776 feet high is exactly six feet above a mile, isn't it? I, I don't it also is a yeah. Oh, no, a mile, a mile is like five thousand seven hundred feet. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of yards. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, oh, I don't know okay. anything. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> that would be that would be an enormous dildo this tower. Is though, this is a mile high tower. This is Milo's third podcast. Stephen Pinker building and second um, language. 
uh, a key feature will be so here's what they've said basically because like that's like so yeah we'll chuck a school in it is the most ad hoc weird paltry like justification it's not a a school this is not going to have like full-time staff they're basically saying there's going to be a couple of rooms not even like classrooms just rooms that they can use so they're benefiting off the fact that they're already going to have school trips full of children that are going to be forced to go up this um to ride on the gondolas but before they get into the gondolas they're going to be forced to like sit in a room and look at some kind of like weird futuristic display about London and London's history and there's going to be like specially trained guides on hand and this is somehow going to benefit their education because if you learn at altitude yeah um you can't really grasp London's history unless you look down upon it it's training from great height you know you get less blood oxygen at altitude so once you get to the ground you're going to be so much smarter (laughs) watching a video up there that's like in the future you'll be able to rent your toaster (laughs) (laughs) so here's what they've said on their own press release this educational resource provided by the Jay Safra group will deliver national (laughs) curriculum topics using innovative tools to bring to life the history of the city and its dynamism inspiring the creative young minds of tomorrow hang on a tagline has just come to me Jay Safra, innovative tool. <laughs> well, also, I love the idea of like, you have to get the children up there in the first place. Can you imagine getting an entire field trip's worth of children up a building where there's like a 10 minute elevator ride and they can't all go at the same time? It's going to be hell. It's and be like, the children that are terrified of heights are going to be puking everywhere, all over the glass <laughs> windows. <laughs> it's going to be a little hologram that's like London was originally called Londinium. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's, it's not going to teach about empire or slavery or if any of the bits of like British history that mm. Michael Gove just like chucked out of the curriculum. It's going to be teaching about the Blitz and Henry VIII, because that's the only two yeah. subjects that we cover at school. Well, there was a time in London where there existed this thing called social housing. <laughs> and we didn't keep all of the poor people who have a big X tattooed on their foreheads in a particular slum where they all make podcasts in basements. <laughs> and meanwhile, Chinese and Russian investors live at the tops of weird sex toy-shaped showers. It's hard to imagine now, since everyone lives like this. Well, since, <laughs> the, since the collapse of British manufacturing, the entire economy runs on children's fear, and so they just need to concentrate it all in one place. <laughs> well, like Monsters, Inc. <laughs> They're just going to make them scream and bottle it. We discovered the greatest power source was the children trauma. This <laughs> is historically very important in the British education system. Yeah. From a height of about 300 meters, visitors will enjoy stunning panoramic views across Greater London. Gondola pod rides will transport you outside in an exhilarating loop around the tulips glass petals. <laughs> <laughs> Inside the twelve floors, the top. It doesn't visitors, even look like a tulip. It's like I mean, it looks it, like it looks like, it an, looks like an alien dick. Yeah, an alien dick. Like inside the twelve. Come on, you know aliens wouldn't. They would have been subject to different evolutionary pressures and might not even have sexual reproduction. They, they might not even reproduce in any way we might understand. Read the book Blind Slide by Peter Watts. But their dicks would definitely look like this, <laughs> <laughs> even if they didn't use them to fuck. They it's, just use them to educate children. <laughs> Inside, in, that's a weirdly oh. ancient Greek point of view. Mm, the best yeah. bit is, is that they'll have a gift shop for all the children to like spend their money on because these are going to be the poor children as well. These are Just state don't school sell, educated don't children, sell a miniature so tulip. they're going to be like tiny pencils in the shape of the tulip. <laughs> <laughs> definitely are not going to be children. used by the children to do awful things on the bus trip home. Oh God! Mm. So, but I love this. From inside the twelve floors at the top, visitors can stroll across the scribe can stroll across the sky bridge and enjoy the thrill of sliding between floors on slides. The slides. Which is some sort of like Wallace and Gromit uh, style. Fucking like, Richie <laughs> Rich Robinson. has built a building. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Pimp My Skyscraper. They literally were like, this, you know, because Safra is the 
richest banker in the world, according to Forbes. So there's no way we're going to be able to stop him doing this. Curated viewing spaces with interactive material, plus talks from expert guides will bring the history of London alive. Because, you know, you couldn't just, like, read a book. You had to go into the tallest building in London that has, like, a classroom that scares people and several different Ferris wheels if you want to understand that London was originally called Londinium. It's the Clockwork Orange classroom. I really hope that they have these expert guides dressed up in costumes, like the London Dungeon. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be very good. The Tulip, which would be this tallest building, would attract an estimated 1.2 million visitors per year, according to the submitted planning application. This Jesus would make Christ. it one of London's top, t- penetra- top 10 paid attractions and be a significant draw within the tourist industry, both in the UK and internationally. Top 10 penetrations was a great slip of the tongue. <laughs> Freudian slip right there. I strongly agree with you, Milo, though, that if tourists did come to this it would just be to stand outside and be like wow that fucking sucks <laughs> <laughs> they want to see it with their own eyes because they can't believe we'd be dumb enough to build it it's like thing. the mockery tour of England mm. That's the, it, even that 1.2 million you commissioned a study that said that your your thing would be great astonishing that the study found that next on our tour we'll be going to Milton Keynes which we'll all find very amusing <laughs> Milton Keynes does have a new art gallery actually that is supposed to be very nice but uh, mm. yes side note also, unfortunately it's- from the art gallery you can see the rest of Milton Keynes <laughs> <laughs> the art gallery also suffers from being on the ground mm, it does I could only just put which it is in, in the Milton sky. Keynes if we haven't stressed that enough already um, I also love that it's not just international tourism, it's national tourism. So everyone's going to come down to the north to see this on a brilliant day out. Fall to your knees and worship at the floor of the alien dick, and it will spare your life. <laughs> so um, before we wrap this up, I've got the all the impacts that the report commissioned by um, the people building this thing found it would be beneficial. All the numbers, like I said, are very exact. A lot of very exact numbers in how much it's going to make our lives better, considering mm. it appears to just be an ad hoc thrown together excuse to build a slightly taller building than all the other buildings. How many pubs will it enable someone to buy? Untold. <laughs> Untold pubs will be saved by how rich this will make like three different weirdos. Yeah. Estimated economic impact. Boost the greater London economy by an additional 970 million pounds in total monetized value by 2045. This, this will. This, this, this big tulip is gonna somehow. We're all gonna be rich, lads. We're all gonna, we're, we're yeah. gonna be so rich. It's gonna make rich. everyone rich. Definitely not just this guy. It's gonna make everyone rich. And more specifically, we're not gonna tell you sort of how, but mm. trust us. They're literally like, it's like the, the kid trying to get their mom to buy them a dog. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look after it. I'm going to take it for walks. I'm going to clean up after it. You're not going to have to do anything. I'm going to buy the food. Like, it's just, it's just all nonsense. <laughs> Provides a total positive impact to the UK economy of 1.6 billion pounds in monetized terms. Again, where are you getting that yeah, from? Just- Lads, come on. Generates total tax revenues for the UK exchequer of 590, mil- 590 million pounds. Again, even assuming all that other stuff was right all of these are stored all of these earnings would be stored offshore yeah i was gonna say like 500 590 million pounds basically earned by all the construction companies and financiers involved that will all go to like the cayman islands or the bahamas yeah yeah absolutely Yeah, like start buying shares in concrete now because there's gonna be a lot of shaft there (laughs) (laughs) we need to get sponsored by one of those generic dick pill companies (laughs) i hope you got shares in concrete because there's going to be a lot of shaft going up tonight (laughs) oh boy 460 full-time jobs per year during construction. Okay, that one's kind of reasonable. You can see how they got to that. At least that's grounded in something. Mm. 
650 additional permanent full-time jobs during 20 years of operations. So it's going to create several jobs of being a dressed-up tour guide. Love it. <laughs> Who points to various holograms. Also, mm. during 20 years of operations. In 20 years, like probably the base of that will be underwater. Well, not only that, but I'm just laughing. It's like they'll have they'll have janitorial staff, but it'll just be one person whose job it is for the rest of their life to clean one floor. And it's just like every single person has to take a floor for like for 20 years. Because think about it, like imagine trying to clean something that's this non-standard. Like imagine trying to like deal with the normal functions of a building where everything is constricted in this nightmare lift shaft and then you have like... Who cleans the slide? <laughs> the guy just has to dress up in a giant like microfiber cloth and just like go down the slide. <laughs> Let's just, no, they have one guy in a microfiber cloth and another person who pushes him through. You know, like... It's a, the guy from the Spongebob porn. <laughs> he just keeps the costume on. 150,000 pounds They send the per children person. down. <laughs> that, that's why they well, didn't have the school tours. They just dress I mean, them up in, in chenille cloth and throw them down. Why the fuck not? Like everything about this is just... No, why not? They're going to take these children from state schools and they're going to be like, guys, if you work really hard at school, then you could maybe get a job as the pipe cleaners. <laughs> you get to ride a slide lights. all day. Hope you don't have a fear of heights because then you'll fucking die. Mm-hmm. 150,000 pounds per year on-site productivity per worker when operational, three times higher than the UK average. Again. Wait, they're go- who's... Are they going to sell a co-working space at the top? Are you going to be able to like rent the gondolas to work in? Can you record? <laughs> is there going to be a podcast studio just like Hell swirling yeah, it's around the outside? It's going to be us. Again, twirling, twirling, twirling <laughs> towards freedom. Recording the Trash Future from a podcast studio. Like, Basically, you rent out a gondola and if you don't make your target and you can't pay your rent, they cut the cables and you fall. So of course productivity is going to be through the roof. Yeah, this thing. Remember, you need the right incentives and, motiv- and motivation. For people who don't own property, it's getting your gondola cut. Hey. For people who do own property, it's getting 110 million pounds. Damn. I'm from the United States. That's basically how it works. <laughs> nobody, nobody could have known that 9-11-2 would have had such a devastating effect on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the UK's plan to put all the podcasters in the United Kingdom in one weird tower, and mm-hmm. then it's just like, hmm. Who could have? Who could have imagined that someone would fly Society. a plane to it? Um, <laughs> and, the, and the pilot of that plane, a Mr. Epstein, fed <laughs> <laughs> up with their lies and slander. Tired of being made fun of by podcasts, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein does one last crime with a plane. <laughs> but this time, the children aren't on the plane. <laughs> They're in the tower. <laughs> Educational benefits of four hundred fifty thousand pounds per annum and nine million pounds over twenty years. Just fund a fucking school. <laughs> Why did we, can't we just like, build a school? This is like so the section 106, which for American listeners is basically the way of like getting out of like having to actually build something useful when you build a development. Is you're like, oh, I'll just like, you know, uh, we'll, we'll put in a new tube line or we'll put some like bus stops in. And this, they're just like, yeah, we'll just like put a school, but like not a real school, just like some classrooms that you'll have to like pay to get up to. Yeah, like the Maltesers <laughs> Academy or whatever. <laughs> you go there and you learn about. It's the school with a crunchy center that we all love. I wonder what they're going to say about like, you know, like, like, yo, what do they say about colonialism? What will they say about like, about, you know, like, like the social, like the socialist history of Britain? What will they say about trade mm. unionism or like Victorian labor conditions? I bet not a lot. Well, because all be the like children a... will be chimney sweeps because everything <laughs> will have reflected no, back to them. Experiential learning of Victorian labor conditions. Mm. Or it's, it'll be well, a kind of careers fair for all of the banks that work around there. Like, but no, they've calculated okay. this as 450 pounds, 450,000 pounds per annum of educational benefits. It's that because it's high up yeah. and <laughs> is not a real school. It's that good. 
I mean, this is like a wild new trend for everything in the city of London. There's a uh, a new concert hall that they're building that's going to cost like like 150 million because we need a new concert hall. Like yeah, we yeah. we definitely like London needs mm. another concert hall. Mm, exactly. um, and one of the big ways that they're getting through this monstrosity is by being like, um, we will like live stream loads of the rehearsals and the concerts to other schools around the world, Amazing. and that is education. I love all this like faux woke shit where they're like, we're going to educate girls at such a height that they'll be able to see the Taliban while they do it <laughs> and flip them off <laughs> while they learn about how Jay Safra is good and has a huge dick, actually. <laughs> 40,000 free places per year to London state school children gives unique opportunity for learning to 800,000 children over 20 years. Okay. Boy, free places. That sounds like seats in a school, but it does. Mean, doesn't it's that literally not, mean just 40,000 kids get to go inside this nightmare fucking viewing gallery yeah, every year? It's, yes, it's, correct. It's a school trip. Yeah, they're like- just, they've made school trips. <laughs> A reason to build somewhere to go on a school trip. What they've done to. is like the bit of your school trip where they sort of just they say, "Okay, you have two hours to walk around Oxford Street or whatever." They've taken that bit of your school trip and they've reduced the amount of time you get to do it because now you're going to spend time um, learning that London used to be called Londinium. Mm. Um, no from- one could have <laughs> predicted that this giant glass alien dick egg would melt the children that went inside it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, could have known. But we promise we're not going to do it the next time. I also love like, the idea that like school trips could go there as a plus point, given that when I was a kid at a shitty state school, we literally went on a school trip at one point to the, 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 like, the, the fountain outside the local council building. And we had to draw the statues in the fountain. And that was a school trip. It was possibly a 25-minute walk from where my primary school was. <laughs> well, they had to do this because Norman Foster did build that lovely water feature down from City Hall uh, on the other side of the river, but then they filled it in because too many people fell in while they were on their phones. So. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> this is like the safe version. It's like a kind of glass soft play for children. Like, they won't be able to get out. Like, I guess you can just, like, let them run riot and you're not, you're not going to yeah. lose them. They've not gone very far <laughs> to Actually, go. On that, on that note, this is a fu- just a short fun story about how shit my hometown is. The, the town of Harlow in Essex, big shouts. Um, which is that, like, so the, the famous sculptor Henry Moore is from, like, 15 miles away from my hometown. My hometown was like, ah, close enough, he's from here. And um, so they have a few Henry Moore sculptures around the town, which they've made way too big of a deal about. Because also, like, who gives a fuck about Henry Moore anyway? He's not, like, he's not, he's not fucking Picasso. Like, he's not that famous. Um, there's a Henry um, Moore right outside my uh, council flat. It's very nice. Exactly, right? And so, but then they decided that Harlow is a sculpture town. And, like, this is our <laughs> thing, that we're a town with sculptures. And so, literally, when you drive into the town, every road sign says, Harlow, sculpture sculpture town which doesn't even make grammatical sense and there aren't even that many sculptures in it and it has it's probably one of the ugliest towns in britain like it's 90 percent concrete well once once this goes up i'm sure it'll get a run for its money from the city mm. well um, you'll be able to see it from there and <laughs> and actually set fire to my entire hometown using a laser pointer due to the weird way in which the whole oh, thing is yeah. designed actually it's just gonna like concentrate it down an entire like town is gonna go up in flames like an ant mm. under a microscope but we're gonna try not to set, do it again we've set essex on fire <laughs> well, would that be so bad yeah, well, um, public realm, enhanced public realm <laughs> and impact on sustainability, valued at nine million pounds, with total green space mm. increased by over a square kilometer. They're going to build mm. a park around it. I think is one of the things. So they're going to build a park at altitude. But here's the best one: icon value, one hundred million pounds from quote unquote existence value and increased choice for consumers because of the tulip. <laughs> 
Existence value. Existence uh, value. You can't you can't rent that. <laughs> let's just remember. Let's go back to the third thing that our friend in the spectator said about help to buy. Capitalism never distributes its blessings on a transparently fair basis, but it's still the best engine of economic progress we've got. We should overlook occasional misallocations like this one and certainly not encourage governments to interfere with them. So, so um, in New York, they built a, a bunch of new buildings you know, in, in the, on the site of what used to be the World Trade Center. And one of them was because the train, one of the train stations got destroyed during the collapse. They built a new transit hub and they built this like beautiful white building. That oh, Santiago Calatrava built Calatrava. this building. And being a fucking asshole, built this building that's like, it looks like, like a picked skeleton of a fish, but it has like these like wings of the thing. It's really bright. It's got polished white marble floors, but it's a train station that only goes to New Jersey. It doesn't connect to any of the subway lines. It's just the end of the uh, the path train in from New Jersey into Manhattan, and so it's like a four billion dollar train station that's like white marble, but it's it doesn't go anywhere that anyone would need. And th- I saw uh, it was a um, like a, a a dialogue basically between two architects. I can't remember who it was, but the, the guy was just like ripping on Santiago Calatrava for this, and, and he said this in a way he's just like, look at this fucking guy. He takes four billion dollars. He's like, oh, I'll build you this beautiful bird, and now children don't have don't have erasers on their pencils. And that's sort of how I feel about this is because this is insane, but also like this is going to siphon up resources that could do so many other things. And I haven't even looked at what the price tag is, but you, you had it up earlier, wasn't it? Right? Wasn't like over a billion pounds to make this? Indeed, you know offhand? No, I don't. But uh, I will say the Calatrava, that train station leaks. It, oh, yeah. Oh, and excitingly, there is a Calatrava project coming for oh, London. Oh, no. So not only oh yeah, not only does it leak, but this is even crazier. When I was living in New York, somebody was walking like because of the the open gangway stairs in like the main hall, slipped on a puddle of a leak and fell off the stairwell and died. <gasps> like straight what? up, fell like two stories off the stairs and died. Like that's it, it. It's 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 the white marble train station from hell, actually. It's a shopping center as well. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. Like, there's a huge mall inside. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did that everywhere. They built like a post 9-11 new construction thing. Like they also put a huge mall space in and it's just. Yeah. uh. But that but that um, that death appeased the wrath of Cthulhu, which had originally been aroused (laughs) by the building of the subway station and therefore allowed it to stay open. To put put a fine point on it, that same subway station, the one at um, it's not Fulton Street. I can't remember what it is anymore, but it's um, it's the end of the one train in Manhattan. It flooded during Hurricane Sandy. So just that it had been opened post 9-11 they're like oh wait we forgot to flood proof it and it's next yeah. to a river um amazing so it's just it's but just next one the- time next time, next we'll, time. You know, <laughs> exactly. we'll, we'll learn from our lessons so <laughs> we're gonna evaporate the river using the magnifying glass building <laughs> <laughs> all right um <laughs> I, i'm i'm i th- i think i just need to i need to go have a minute at this point mm. oh <laughs> yeah this Let's have a minute with that picture minute. of the, the tower uh, uh india thank you very much for coming on Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so I nervous. I sound like I was born here on a school trip. <laughs> when do I get to ride the gondola? God damn it. <laughs> Look, India, we're very sorry that both of your legs were removed in, a, in an unforeseeable podcasting accident. We'll learn about this when we build the next studio. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Laters. Thank you for listening to Trash Future. This podcast was produced by me, Nate the Fay, and is a podcast about business and how crystals can help you do business better. 
Our theme song is Here We Go by Ginseng. It's on Spotify, and we strongly recommend you listen to it since he lets us use it for our podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, you can subscribe to our Patreon for $5 a month and receive an extra bonus episode once per week. Also, tomorrow night, Wednesday the 10th, Milo is hosting Smoke Comedy at the Seckford in King's Cross. Get tickets at the link in the show notes. And once again, thank you for listening. <laughs>